Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. So today, if I could, I would like to set up almost a preliminary. I want to, I'd like to tee up today where we're going to go the next four weeks. And so if you have your Bible this morning, Acts chapter 2. If you grew up in church, that chapter might scare you. Because uh, that's where those crazy charismaniacs come from, those Pentecostals. Um, and so uh, we're going to have a good time today. I promise that we're not weird here. And uh, uh, we're not scared of anything that Jesus isn't scared of. And if God isn't scared of it, we're not scared of it. And if, if, if Jesus is into it, we're going to be into it. And so uh, we're not going to, we're going to do everything though, naturally spiritual, spiritually natural. And so if you have your Bible today, Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read 11 verses. If you're new to our church, if you're watching online, I'll read 11 verses. I'll pray. Uh, I'll pray for the service today, and I'll try to lift up the Dodgers. They need our prayers. They got robbed last night. I know the devil comes to steal. We got stolen from last night. It says he has to repay seven folds. So we're going to win. Come on, the best of seven. And uh, victory is going to come to California with the Lakers and the Dodgers because the Lord knows the state of California needs some victory. And so uh, I'm going to pray for the Dodgers. I'm going to tell a couple stories after I pray. And I have really four ideas today that I want you to leave with. So I'll give you four points. If you're new to our church, you can write down one, two, three, four. Give you some ideas and some scriptures. But my heart is I want to be very upfront with you. We are a church that really values the presence of God. Some of you might be like, I don't know why, but that church is different than some churches. It just has a cool vibe. Maybe you don't have language for what you feel, but when the presence of Jesus shows up, it has a way of melting hearts. It has a way of almost giving hope to people that have never had hope. And we call it, church people call it the anointing. Christians call it the presence. People that maybe don't know God, they're like, I don't know why, I just feel good. What does that good feeling come from? We call it the presence of God. And we're not a church that just studies God intellectually. We are a community that goes after God for experience. We believe that God not only wants to be studied, he wants to be encountered. You believe it? Come on, say amen to that. And so we're going to have a good time today. And uh, Acts chapter 2 is where I'm going to read. I'm going to read kind of a little bit all over the place today. I'll actually sneak one extra verse in there out of Acts chapter 1. It says in verse 14 of chapter 1 that there was 120 people that were all together And they continued prayer in one accord in supplication with the women and with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Chapter 2. So it says after 10 days. How many days? So this wasn't one day. It wasn't a one-day prayer meeting. This wasn't a two-day prayer meeting. This this prayer meeting lasted for 10 whole days. I'd like to give a little context here that uh, this is 40 days days after Jesus... uh, so the resurrection occurred. Jesus died on the cross. He came out of the grave. He hung out for 40 days. 500 people saw him. Out of the 500, 380 didn't show up to the upper room. 380 missed their moment. 120 were in the place. They had this prayer meeting because the last words of Jesus was not going to all the world. It was actually to go and wait on the Holy Spirit. So they wait on the Holy Spirit, they're in Jerusalem, and we pick up reading in chapter 2, it says, after 10 days of a prayer meeting, on the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord, which is, this is actually, scholars say, the first mention of Honda in the Bible. I would have preferred being in one, maybe CRV or a Odyssey, but they were in one accord. Tough crowd. 
in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them a divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. They were all filled. Say it with me, filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Most Christians are cool with that. Most Christians, a lot of people are kind of a little spooked out by the next verse and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance or ability. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit will give you an ability. Give you power to do things that you could never do by yourself. A lot of people are scared of the Holy Spirit. I just want to encourage you today, you don't have to be scared of the Holy Spirit. You can be scared of some weird Christians. That's fine. But I'd encourage you not to be scared of the Holy Spirit. It says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. How many would say, if he was full of it, I want to be full of it? And so it says that he was full. And so they, they got filled with the Holy Spirit. They all begin to speak languages they never studied. They start declaring the goodness of God out loud to the point that people from all over Jerusalem heard a bunch of Jewish people speaking fluent in different dialects. So it says that there was three responses. In verse 12 it says, some were amazed, some were perplexed and confused, others began to mock. And that's really the response I believe in society today. We have some people that are amazed by God, some people that are confused by God, and other people that just mock him. But like Christianity is for weak people. That's just a crutch. So my response is, I hope God breaks your legs. <laughs> Kidding. That's a joke. Best crutch I've ever seen. I'll tell you today that God is a God that actually he's encountering the amazed, the perplexed, and even the mockers. Verse 14 is where it gets a little bit bold. Peter, say it with me, Peter. Peter stood up. It's a big deal for Peter. He stands up, and he begins to raise his voice. He says, man of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be made known to you. Listen to my words. He says, these guys aren't drunk. The bars aren't even open yet. He says, what you see right now is from the Holy Spirit. That's what Joel prophesied about. And over the next about 25 to 28 verses, Peter gives one of the greatest sermons in the history of the Bible. His message was so good that in verse 37 we read this. It says, now everyone that heard it, they were actually cut to the heart. I think the problem with many churches today is we preach messages that fluff the heart, not cut the heart. People were actually cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? I believe that we really preach the kingdom of God. It actually inspires us to do something. Do something different in how we live. Do something different in how we prioritize our life. I believe that the message we listen to every week leaves us the same. We might not be listening to the right message. What must we do? It inspires mission. Peter said to them, this is a crazy word we don't like, repent. Let me say it in a word that you might understand. Change your mind. How many would give God permission to change your mind sometimes? Can we agree that our minds get a little bit crooked sometimes? Our thoughts get in, inverted sometimes. He says, change your mind, and he says this, goes on, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you do that, you shall, not maybe, not for some people, not for some denominations, you shall receive the gift. Say with me, gift. Here's what I know about gifts. Gifts are not earned, they are given. Gifts are not determined by the goodness of the person that receives it. Gifts are determined by the merit and the goodness of the person giving it. 
you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you, Orange County, and to your children, to those that are far from God and those as many as the Lord will call. I want to talk to you today about bold transformation. Bold transformation. Some say transformed. I believe that Christianity is an inside job. You see, religion tries to change your actions from the outside to make you a good enough person to belong to your religious social club, that everyone behaves the same way. I want you to know there's a lot of, there's a lot of cults in the world that have great families, great values, but they have bad theology. I want you to know that Christianity is not moralism. It's not about becoming a good person, and when you go to heaven, basically there's a cosmic scale that God weighs good deeds versus bad deeds. And what you did in life is more good than bad than you let, you, Peter lets you in the gates. That is moralism. We don't believe in moralism. We believe that we get to Jesus into heaven, not based on our good deeds, but on Jesus' good deeds. Come on, if I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod today. You can give me a Presbyterian eyebrow raise or a Latter-day Saint deep breath. I promise you, friends, that we serve a God that gives us access on what he did, not what we do. Christianity is an inside job. Religion is boring. It's stale. You've been to a church that's religious before. You're like, when is this going to end? And I want to apologize to the church of Jesus that actually has been bored to death with the greatest news on the earth. Hollywood movies keep getting longer, and church services in the church in America seem to be getting shorter because the world is better at telling lies than Christians are at telling the truth. We serve a God that is intriguing, that is engaging. Are you hearing me today? Some people, they view dead religion. It's dead. Religion is dead. I'm not talking about religion today. I'm talking about an encounter and in a relationship with God. Religion is about as exciting as an Amish prom. Come on, somebody. I'm not into religion. I'm into an encounter with Jesus. Can I get an amen? I better pray. Is that all right? I want to pray today, and I want to talk to you about transformation. God, I ask you for the next several moments that you prevent rain from falling. I ask you today that your presence would fall. I pray that you'd encounter people. I thank you that people already sense your presence. You're here. There is a boldness. I feel you. I feel your strength, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're a great pastor. You're a great preacher. God, you're a great worship leader. So would you usher us into the presence of Jesus today? Would you rid us of ourselves today? Would you fill us up with you? God, we need a God fill up today. I know the world is going crazy, but Lord, I pray the church would bring some sanity to our lives. Holy Spirit, come, meet us, speak with us, whether we're online or in person. I pray that today we give you permission to transform our hearts and our minds. God, we love you so much. We pray you bless the Dodgers. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, say amen to that. That's good. We ain't voting for Tampa around here. We ain't representing Tampa. I don't know what it is, but I find this interesting. It doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in. Regardless of how much money you make, how many kids you have, what color your skin is, doesn't matter who you vote for on November 3rd, it's interesting that every human being I've ever met is fascinated with stories of transformation. We know this because every television show that usually does pretty good has TV shows about transformation. We watch shows like Extreme Home Makeover. Who remembers Ty? Come on, Ty Pennington, is that his name? I remember watching shows about transforming houses. I, I loved it. I loved seeing a decrepit house being completely overhauled. I love watching The Biggest Loser as I ate dessert. I'm like, man, they could do a little bit better than that. I'm in there just chugging calories, right? 
see the story. It's like, oh my gosh, they lost so much weight. They did such a transformational uh, difference in their life that at the end of the show, most people didn't even recognize them. They were unrecognizable. I love watching shows like Fixer Upper. Come on. Come on, Chip. I love Chip Gaines. Chip and Joanne Gaines. The number one reason why everyone's moving to Texas. Reason why Chip Black's getting popular again. Chip laugh. Chip laugh. I don't know what it is. I watch shows, though, and it's just people love. You know, that, the idea of Fixer Upper is we find the worst house on the best block. People love seeing renovations. People love seeing things that are ugly being transformed. Things that are broken being fixed up. Things that are out of shape getting into shape. All of humanity celebrates this. I don't know what it is, but we're wired in such a way. When I was growing up, we had this great show called Pimp My Ride. Come on, somebody. Some millennials in this place. You drive your hoopty in there, and they would take your broke down, busted, and disgusted vehicle, and they put speakers everywhere, put TVs everywhere, put rims the size of a Ferris wheel on your vehicle, a sound system loud enough to shake your neighborhood, but they wouldn't touch the engine for some reason. New paint job, the thing wasn't running, but it looked good. I love watching Pimp My Ride, but there was a show that my wife and I used to watch when we first started dating back on TLC, back in the early 2000s, got canceled, I think, in 2013, rest in peace, but it was a show called What Not to Wear. My man Clinton was on that show, Stacy was there. You never seen the show. Basically, they ambush style felons, nominated by friends and family, at the offer of a $5,000 new wardrobe, if they would agree to throw away their old clothes. They were critiqued by Stacy and Clinton, mentored by them, and they actually gave them a makeover that groomed their beards, cut their hair, and they got makeup by, come on, Carmody. Who remembers that name? They got new clothes, a new hairstyle, new makeup, new confidence. And for many of these people, they showed up to their families at the end of the show unrecognizable. There was such a dramatic transformation that people that knew them before did not recognize them afterwards. I love reading about people in the Bible that are unrecognizable. I believe Peter is one of those people. Peter was the one that we remember denying Jesus three times. Peter's the one in John 21 that says, I'm going back to fishing. After he followed Jesus for three and a half years, this guy tried to go back to his old life after he witnessed miracles like, like Jesus transforming on a mountain in front of him, after he met Moses in person, Elijah in person, and heard the voice of God the Father audibly. He saw Lazarus come out of the grave after three days. This guy, Peter, he witnessed fishing and catching a fish that had enough gold in its mouth to pay the federal and state tax of Jesus and himself. This guy saw miracles. He saw Jesus get out of a boat, stand on the bow, and told the ocean to shut up. And the waves are like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Peter saw miracles that Christians today have never probably seen. I would say that Peter saw more than many of us will ever see in our lifetime. But it's amazing to me that Peter saw more than we've seen. He walked with Jesus physically for three and a half years. 
And even after all of that knowledge and all of that experience, he was still shaky. Still denied Jesus after three and a half years. Was scared of the opinion of a 12-year-old girl at a fire pit. Denied Jesus three times after he followed Jesus at a distance. I'll let you know right now that you'll always, the road of denial is always, uh, a prerequisite of denial is always following him at a distance. I don't want to follow Jesus at a distance. I want to follow him up close. Amen? So we see here in the story that there's this dramatic transformation because he, uh, after three and a half years, he denies him three times. And in the lowest point of his life, he looks at the other 11 guys. He goes, guys, I'm done. I've screwed up too much. I've denied Jesus. I'm no longer worthy to be called his, his son, his, his, his little brother, his, his guy, his, his one of his favorite friends. I'm going back to fishing in John 21. And it says that all the guys went with him. And when he tried to go back to his life, I love it. It says that he caught nothing. I'm grateful that God does not let us go back to our old lives and enjoy them the same way that we used to. Some of you have tasted enough of God to know I can't go back to who I used to be. And today I love this because there's a dramatic transformation in Peter's life that we find evident in Acts chapter 2. And it's a dramatic overhaul. It's a dramatic transformation. I was praying this week and God began to speak to me about three types of human beings. Those that believe in Jesus and have been transformed. Those that do not believe in God just live a normal life. And I'm worried about the third category. There are people that actually believe in Jesus, but they don't, they don't actually believe that he can actually change them. I, I, God told me this week, there's people that believe in me, but they do not have a spiritual mind. They, they've given God enough of themselves to be saved, just not enough of themselves to be changed. I want to ask you today, Orange County, are you giving God enough of yourself to be changed? Or do you want to just give God enough of yourself to make it to heaven? I believe the goal of Christianity isn't just to sneak in the back door of heaven. I believe it's to live this life on earth like our Savior. Our goal is to live like Jesus lived. To talk like Jesus talked. To value what Jesus valued. If you believe it, come on, say amen. There's a large population of people in North America that they believe in God. But if we're being honest today, it's not evidence in the words that they speak, in the lifestyle that they live, the priorities that they have, the personality that they adhere to. The truth is, some people that believe in God live just as broken as their friends that never have believed or received God. And I want to just serve eviction notice today to that lukewarm heart that says, I can believe in God and not be transformed by God. I want you to know that if you don't let God come into your life, weeds will begin to grow in your heart. I'm telling you divorce. I'm telling you things about like cheating, like affairs, like, 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 like bankruptcies, like, like bad business ethics, bad morality. When we let the weeds of our flesh grow, in the absence of surrender, we'll always yield a harvest of crops we don't want. And I don't know who you are today, but I want to encourage you that we serve a God that actually wants to transform us and take our old nasty wardrobes walking into the church like the people at Walmart. Come on. The only thing Walmart doesn't have is an observation deck. Come on. Who are these people? I'm telling you right now that that show, What Not to Wear, what does it say? It says they said, you have some nasty habits. You have some nasty practices. Let me, I'm not talking about materialism today. I'm talking about giving God permission to change the way you live. I'm not talking about the outside appearance. I'm talking about the inward heart. 
God doesn't care about how good you look, how many followers you have, or how much money you make. God is looking at your heart today. I want you to know he is the greatest cardiologist in Orange County. He is a God that wants to transform hearts. How does God transform hearts? I'll be honest, he transforms people by, be, by, by people that are willing to be filled. You know, Ephesians 5 says in verse, uh, I think it's Ephesians 5.18, it says, don't be drunk with wine. That's a word for somebody today. He says, be filled with the Spirit. You know what I love about Paul is he actually threatens, don't be drunk with wine, instead be filled with the Spirit. Why would he use... Why would he use this, this, uh, these, these counter, these counter uh, opposites? Don't be drunk. Instead, be filled. What does alcohol do when you have too much of it? It does a couple things. Number one, it makes you loud. You know what filled people with the Holy Spirit get? They get loud. You know what alcohol does when you have too much of it? It makes you not care about what people think. You know what filled Christians act like? I don't care what you think. I love you anyways. I don't care how you vote. I don't care where you live. I don't care what you drive. I'm telling you right now, I, I, I don't care if you don't like what I believe. I'm telling you, I serve a God that gives me a courage. When you drink too much, what does it do? It doesn't just make you uh, loud. It doesn't just make you fearless. It affects the way you see life. Whoa, I'm seeing like... Things that are normally ugly, they get attractive. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Call them beer goggles, right? What do I know about the Spirit of God? You still make things in life, neighbors, ugly circumstances that you would normally be turned off by. And you go, I don't know why I still love you even though you're ugly. Your attitude's ugly. Man, the way you treat me is ugly. The way you, you're attacking my values and going after our state, I think it's ugly, but I still love you. I believe that God is looking for people that aren't drunk with wine but are filled with his spirit. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. And I love Peter because he gets filled. I know he's filled because he actually has the courage to stand up after being filled with the Holy Spirit and actually start speaking words with boldness. Peter is transformed. This guy goes from denying Jesus three times to being so fearless that he's not willing to die like Jesus on a cross. He's willing to be died like Jesus upside down crucified. He dies for his faith. He doesn't die a coward. He dies courageous. And I believe there's a transformation that he brought his wardrobe into the kingdom of God one way and God threw away all of old Simon's habits. You aren't going to be a reed driven and tossed by culture, driven and tossed by who you're hanging out with. When I hang out with my Christian friends, I act Christian. But when I hang out with my lost friends, I act lost. No more of that Simon living, Orange County. No more of that shaky living. When I'm around my pastors, I act like I'm a believer. But when, I act, when I'm around my neighbors, I act just as lost as they are. I'm tired of reed living. God's looking for some Rockies in this place. Hey, hey, no, no, your, your name isn't Simon anymore. It's going to be Peter. And on this rocky, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Yo, Adrian. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe that there are people today that God wants to transform. But I'm telling you right now that God is a gentleman. He never comes into a house and begins to renovate it until someone gives him permission. 
Some of you have never given God the keys to the interior of your heart. Some of you are fighting to keep the doors locked of your jacked up, mold-infected properties called your heart. And I'm telling you today that if you'll give him the keys of your heart, he'll come in like a gentleman and begin to renovate those mold-infested walls. He'll begin to get rid of the cockroaches living in your closets. Are you hearing me today? And I saw this, I saw it in Peter, and I believe it's true of us today that transformation occurs when we are, number one, desiring it. I just have four D words for you today. All great messages have to start with the same points, same letter. First, first of four D words today, I believe that transformation starts where believers desire it. See, the truth is, if you don't think that you, you need to become more like God, you never will be. If you read the Bible and say, that was good for them, that's not good for me. You see, God doesn't force his desires on you, but God will put people in your life that have more of God than you do, not to make you jealous, but to make you hungry. I don't know why, man, but that guy sings, I feel like he's close to God. I want that closeness. When that girl began to pray, man, when Stephanie was praying this morning in pre-service prayer, there was something, there was something about her connection with God that I want. I don't know what it is, but man, when, when, when Lauren was up here and she was singing, there was a connection with God that I want to have. You can get jealous and say, man, must be nice. <sighs> they must have no life. Praying all the time, singing all the time. Or you can go, man, maybe they're doing that because they have something I'm supposed to have. Yeah, if you're going to clap, give God a hand clap today for that. We're going to be a desiring community. I believe the oceans is going to go after all that Jesus died to give us. Can I say it again for those in the back? Hey, what is this church for? We're for anything that Jesus went to the cross for. If he's into forgiveness, we're into forgiveness. If he's into redemption, we're into redemption. If he's into signs and wonders, guess what, Orange County? We're into signs and wonders. And if he wasn't ashamed of the Holy Spirit, guess what? We're not going to be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Might need to say that again to get some more claps in this place. Making me nervous, guys. The truth is, God, God transforms hearts that desire him. You see, I've learned this, that God wants, God wants me to have uh, what he wants. God has a desire for what he wants me to have. What God wants me to have is what I want. Can you just write that down? It's a very simple thought, but what God wants me to have is what I want. It reminds me when I go into a restaurant, I don't like reading menus. I like pictured menus. Come on. Where's my pictured menu people at? I ain't trying to read words I've never heard before. Cuts of meat, I have no idea what kind of meat that is. I don't know if that is meat. Orange County, I'm some fancy tofu in this, this is the county. I'm reading the menu like, what in the, show me a picture. I am not educated enough. Like, I don't know what's going on in this menu, guys. I'm like, I'm not good at math. I, I didn't take algebra three. I took algebra one three times. I need pictures. I like books with pictures, come on. I'm like, where's the menu at? So what I do, I call it a victory lap. I'll walk into a restaurant. When I get there, pretend I'm going to the bathroom, and I'll just peruse plates. I will then, when the, when the server comes, they'll say, what do you want, sir? I'll just say, see that girl in the back over there? What, what is, what's on her plate? I want that. I just want more of that. I'm telling you right now that desire when it comes to the Holy Spirit is when you actually say this, I'll have what Jesus ordered. If Jesus spoke with boldness and authority, we will never speak with boldness and authority unless we order what Jesus ordered. 
Here's my conviction. We'll get what the early fathers of Christianity got if we'll go after what the early fathers went after. That was better than your response. That's all right, though. If I go after, if I desire what they desire, the Bible says they waited in the right place. And I believe transformation occurs when we begin to desire what God wants us to desire. You see, I believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could stay addicted. I believe that God went to the cross to get you out of some of your darkness. Some of you think, well, man, he's going to get me to heaven, but I'm going to have to live in hell on earth. That is a lie from hell. Jesus is big enough to get you out of alcoholism. He's big enough to get you out of substance abuse. He's big enough to get you out of small-mindedness, poverty thinking, dysfunctional living. Are you hearing me today? Can I encourage you that God causes us all to rise? And there is a power today when we begin to desire what God wants us to desire. Number two, I believe transformation occurs when we are not only desiring the Holy Spirit, but number two, when we actually make a decision to be dependent. Say with me, dependent. We're Americans, so we don't like being dependent. We like independence, and I get that. Dependent means to rely on something else. Rely on something else. You ever realized when your phone dies how much you rely on it? Your phone dies, you're like, well, today's over. I rely on this thing more than I thought I did. You ever have to, like, take your car to the shop? You ever realize what you, you rely on your car? They're like, yeah, I'm sorry, we need your car for two days. It's like, all right, ruin my life. Don't know what's going to happen the next 48 hours. You ever have the electricity go out? Yeah, one time, 10 years ago in Orange County, there was a storm, and uh, power went out for 25 minutes. We all had panic attacks. You ever realize how much you rely on things like plumbing? You're like, you go camping, you're like, no, no, no. I need toilets, man, showers, running water. There's things that we rely on every day, and I'll be really honest with you, I think many Christians live lives never depending on God. They never rely on God. Can I just let you know that God is a father that likes to be depended on? I would go on the record to say that he has dreams for your life that require him. <laughs> He's got dreams for you that are so much bigger than you. I would say that if all everything that's in your heart you can achieve without God, you actually aren't going after what God has. Because God dreams always require his assistance. He's a father that loves to be needed. Son, what are you working on? Daughter, what are you working on today? Actually, I'm working on this thing. It's beyond my education. It's outside of my experience. I don't have the money for it, the talent for it, the people for it. But you gave me this idea, so I'm going to go after it. Are you with me today? Dependent. And I believe the fourth thing that will transform your heart, like, the, like Peter, is when we actually, we actually uh, make a decision to be transformed. Uh, it occurs when we're directed by the Holy Spirit. Who wants to be directed by the Holy Spirit? You know, to be directed means to manage or to be guided by advice. It's helpful information or instruction. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite rowdy church services every year in great churches is the kids' Christmas choir. It's like anything can happen. You get 100 three- and four-year-olds up on the stage, it's like get the cameras out. We got some YouTube-worthy sensational things. And you just watch, you got Johnny in the back, he's just with everything 
You got violent, come on, violent Vinny, right? He's pushing kids. You got sassy Susan that's just like, sing it. But my favorite thing about the kids' choir is you have the adults that are brave enough to lead them. We call these people in the front that are helping them, we call these people real Christians. So you have like, what, like seven or eight adults, right? They're facing the kids' choir, and the kids have been trained to pay attention to them. Are you with me? And I love watching it. It's always the best. You have three and four-year-olds that are watching the front row, and they're copying the handbook. And then they're, they're mouthing the words. And they're mouthing the lyrics. Are you with me today? And the hand motions of the, of the adults that are directing them. I was praying through this this week, and that's what the Holy Spirit loves to do. He loves it when you're so aware of his presence. I'll be honest, real prayer is this. Prayer is living in a consciousness of God. It's living your day going, man, God, you're here right now. You have a a thought for this situation. You want to change my heart. Those weird thoughts, those aren't you, God. I don't want to keep those in my head. I want to just keep following. Oh, yeah. We're following his direction. Are you with me today? And I believe that God's desire is for us to transform us when we give him permission to actually direct our, our actions, direct our language, direct our movements, direct even what we will and what we will not do. I love this because there's something so powerful about, about uh, letting God direct our lives. I tell people all the time that the, 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 the four P's that direct my life is, is prayer. After I pray about something, I'll find some parents or older believers than me that have more wisdom than I have, and I'll go from praying about it to finding some moms and dads in the, in the faith. And I'll say, I'm thinking about moving, moving some, I'm thinking about changing this or getting this, you know, or, or adopting, you know, or, or doing some big decisions I always pray about. I pray about big decisions. I talk to parents in the faith. I'll talk to my pastors. If I, I think everyone should have a pastor. I just want you to know, pastors aren't someone that just inspire you on Sundays. They're someone that you've given permission to speak into your life. And I'll be honest, if you don't have people in your life that can correct you, you don't have pastors, you have motivational speakers. Pastors are people that you can permission. Parents are people that give, man, you know, if there's something funky in me, call it out. If I get weird, lopsided, come on, call me out. How many want to have someone in your life that calls you higher? So I have, I have prayer, I, I have parents in the faith, I have pastors, and, and one of the last things that I have in my life that helps direct me in making good decisions is I always listen for God's peace. And it's so weird sometimes because you can pray about something and talk to your mom and dad about it, and they feel good about it, and you, you start actually talking to your pastors, and they're like, that sounds good, but there's an unsettling in your heart. And I, I don't know why, man, I just don't think that God wants us to do this. Always let peace direct your lives. Philippians says to pray about everything, to be anxious about nothing. It says in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, what's it say? Let your request. Who's still with me today? Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God that transcends your understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And what does it say next? And the peace of God will rule. Do you know that when you pray about things in life, God will give you peace? The word rule is the Greek word where we get umpire from. It's a baseball analogy. 
that God's peace tells you a ball from a strike. Don't do that. That's stupid. That's foul. That's, that's a ball. Or he'll say, that's down the pipe. Swing at that thing. There's some businessmen today. You need to start praying about some decisions. I'll tell you right now, if you only make decisions out of your own logical brain, you'll only get as far as your brain can take you. But if you invite the Holy Spirit to take you beyond your own IQ, your own experience, can I just let you know that Jesus is more educated than you are? He's got more knowledge than your professor had at Stanford. He'll take you further faster. So we are a people that is directed by the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, transformation occurs not only when we're directed. Here's a word that we're scared of, but God told me to be strong today. He said, Mark, I'll transform hearts when people give me permission to dominate their heart. I don't know about you, man, but dominate is a powerful word. You know what it means? It literally means to rule over, to govern, or to control. I look back at my life, my worst decisions is when I was governing, I was controlling, and I was ruling in a circumstance, and I did something I shouldn't have done. When I was, I love cars, I'm a car guy. I wanna get a, uh, I wanna get a poor man's Ferrari one day, a Z06 Corvette, come on, my dream car. And I love fast cars, I've always loved fast cars. When I was younger, I lacked uh, brain cells and common sense. I got married to get that. And uh, I would used to get my cars and I like to find out where the governing chip is. Governing chip is when you drive as fast as the car will go. In some cars, it's 98 miles an hour. One of my cars was 112, one was 128 miles an hour. But when you get to the governing chip, the engine will turn off and it'll kick you down like five miles an hour and it'll come back on again. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to be the God that tells you when you need to turn your attitude off. The God that says, all right, that's enough, that's enough pushing, that's, an ex- that's enough shoving, that's enough jabs at your spouse, that's enough bad, weird thoughts, that's enough complaining, that's enough murmuring, that's, that's enough gossiping. I wanna dominate your soul and your spirit with the Spirit of God. And I'll tell you right now, he's a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. But if you'll give the Holy Spirit permission to rule you, to govern you, to control you. I was in Africa years ago and I had a translator. It was, they were speaking Swahili and in their language, they didn't have a word for passion. My whole message was about being passionate. It's like, all right, it's gonna be a long day. So the title is being passionate. And they're like, we don't have that word in our language. So one of the uh, African guys that's, that lived in America, he said, I got a word for you, Mark. He says, say possessed instead. I was like, okay, that's scary. Um, let's go with it anyways. So my, my title was said was living passionate, was living possessed. And I did this whole message and I could see the light bulb coming on for people that when I live impassioned by the Holy Spirit, it's giving God permission to actually direct and possess my life. I always pray this prayer. Sometimes I think it's weird, but I think it's awesome. I say, God, if people that don't know you can be possessed with an evil spirit, surely those of us that know the Holy Spirit could be possessed by the Holy Spirit. I want to be possessed with the same spirit that Jesus was possessed with. Spirit of generosity, of spirit of love, spirit of joy, come on, spirit of joy, kindness, goodness, and gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Who wants that? Who wants to be possessed with that spirit? Four people, come on, give me a hand clap if you want that today. Oh, watch, watch.
our minds and our hearts. Come Holy Spirit. I don't know who you are today, but I just feel like the Lord wanted me to tell you that you can live your life with a prayerful awareness of God. You know, many people say, God, I want more of you. But you know what the requirement is for more of God? Giving God permission to take more of you. He, you can't get more of him until you give him more of you. What are the areas in your life right now that God wants to live in that you're not giving him permission to live in? God, dominate that area. Dominate the stingy area of my life. Dominate the greedy area of my life. God, I give you permission. Holy Spirit today, dominate the perverted area of my mind. Dominate the fearful, worry part of my brain. God, dominate the depressed areas of my heart. Who wants to give the Holy Spirit permission to dominate them today? Strong language, man. Would you stand to your feet? I feel His presence today. Some of you have been living in Stressville too long. Some of you have been living in Worryville too long. Been going through the, the worn out valley for too long. So tuckered out in the town of Tuckertown. God wants to get you out of the stress village, out of Worryville, out of the, out of the valley of worn out. God's going to recharge the people today. You know, one of my favorite ways to connect with the Holy Spirit is by taking communion. You can do it at church, you can do it at home, but there is a little communion element under your seat. You want to grab that real fast? Grab that. We're going to take communion today. Some of you don't know what communion is. It's really simple. We have this little NASA wafer on the top here. And uh, Jesus actually sat, if everyone can just look at me for a second. I know this, it's a really fascinating contraption. I'll explain it to you in a minute. Some of you are really stressed out right now. Just, just stay with me. I'll, I'll walk you through it. Um, I, uh, I want you to know that at the very end of Jesus' earthly life, before we went to the cross, he sat in an upper room and he said, guys, the time's coming that the, the end of the old covenant is going to come to an end. And I'm going to start a new way. And I'm going to adopt humanity. And I'm going to adopt humanity, those that are not only Jewish, but those that are non-Jewish. Paraphrasing right now. But Jesus said, I'm going to adopt creation. I love my friends that go to an uh, international adoption. I have, my, my, I have family and friends that have adopted. We love adoption in this church. Uh, I have friends that did, they flew to Africa or, or China, different, different nations to adopt. I love international adoption because you fly overseas and you actually meet the child that you're going to adopt. You choose the child. Then usually you go home and you have to wait and you go back and you're actually able to pick the child up and bring it home with you. Jesus at the Last Supper said, guys, I've come to this earth to adopt humanity. I'm going to leave but I'm going to come back one day and I'm going to bring all of you home with me. No one, none of you are paying for this adoption. I'm going to pay for humanity's adoption with my body and with my blood. I lived a perfect life for everyone that didn't live a perfect life. And we don't get to heaven by our good deeds. We get to heaven by our good God. So he grabbed the, this bread, which will take out the space wafer to the top of the top pouch little I don't even know if this is made out of we'll call it manna is that alright what is this so he took this bread and he actually had a loaf of bread and he said guys this is going to be symbolic my body, my body in a couple days it's going to be broken I'm going to take, take stripes on my back I'm going to be beaten next to the desk doorstep for you 
Isaiah says that he'll be wounded for our transgressions. He'll be, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace would be upon Jesus. But by his broken stripes, it says that we'll be healed. So he said, when you take this, I want you to it'll transform you. It'll heal your broken mind. Can I say this boldly today? I hear the Holy Spirit even wanting me to declare this right now. Some of you are going to be physically healed of cancer, autoimmune diseases. There's even people here today, you have some sort of really bad uh, hypochondriac. Uh, there are hypochondriacs in here. You're so worried and fearful. You've lived your whole life in fear of death. And I'll tell you right now that death is no longer scary when you know where you're going. And I feel, the, I feel the courage of God coming in this tent online today. If you're at home right now, go ahead and grab some bread. Take this with us. He said, I want you to take this. And when you, when you eat this, this represents my body that is broken for humanity. And I'm going to become broken so that you can become whole. We're going to eat this today. We're going to receive God's healing. Is that all right? If you need healing in your body, I want you to take this and just say, God, thank you for healing me. Mentally, physically, spiritually, let's eat this together. Thank you for healing, God. He then took the glass. He said, guys, this isn't just wine. This is actually the symbolic of the blood of the new covenant. He says that before you actually had to, you had to sacrifice animals. I am the lamb of all lambs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one and only sacrifice for all of humanity. He says, as my blood is poured out on the cross, I'm going to pay for every sin, past, present, and future. I want you to drink this. When you know, I want you to remember this, that I died for all of your mistakes all of them and if I can forgive you I want you to forgive other people I want us to do this today we're going to forgive people as we take this and we're going to let God forgive us is that okay? so let's take this together say God thank you for your forgiveness let's drink this together come on can we go to hand clap for today for his broken body and for his blood come on just say thank you Jesus give my hand clap real quick Healing me, washing me. Here's where we landed today. How many just feel like this so strong today? You feel an appetite for the things of God rising inside of you. How many want to desire more of the Holy Spirit? Would you just lift your hands today? Yeah, yeah, hunger rising. We're going to talk about the next four weeks, hunger. We're going to hunger and thirst for what God wants us that's right. And we're going to be filled. How many would say, you put your hands down for a minute. How many feel like, I want to live life not relying on me. I want to start living dependent on God. You want to live more, more God dependent. Would you lift your hand real quick up and down? That's me. That's me. How many say, Mark, if I'm being honest, I'm tired of forgetting the lyrics of life. I'm tired of forgiving the hand motions of life. I want the Holy Spirit to start directing me. Show me what to say, what to do. Who want to be directed by the Holy Spirit? Would you lift your hands up? And down, and this is for the crazy people at Ocean's Church. How many would give God permission today to dominate your thoughts? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.